Yo. What's up? How you guys doing? Oh, you guys did it back this time. Look at that. It's, it's, it's catching on. That's good. That's good. Why are you guys doing that? You guys good? They don't sound like it. Let me try it again. Let me try it. Y'all like y'all in Texas, like y'all power getting cut off or something? Like, no, we all fine, all right? Let me try it again. How you guys doing tonight? Yeah. All right. Oh, I love that. I love that. Ooh. All right. I see you, dog. I see you. All right. Well, tonight, before I get being started, this has nothing to do with what we're going to say tonight. But my, my, my best friend's Mike. My best friend Mike, his dad is watching tonight, and he had just had a heart attack. But he's back home now. He's doing great. Dad, I love you. God is going to be with you. And I'm so happy that you're home with your family, all right? Speaking of hearts. How was everybody's Valentine's Day? Was it good? No. no. Oh, wow. Wow. No. No. Wow. No. Now, y'all don't have any Valentine's? Not at this time? Oh, Kiji, my dog. What's up, dog? <laughs> How was your Valentine's Day, bro? Was it all right? Yeah, it was all right. I know, I know you're a ladies' man, so I know you have plenty of Valentine's, right? Yeah, something like that. Respect. Yeah, my dog, my dog Kiji, yeah, he, be, he be getting girls like that, you know. I'm trying to get like you, Kiji, you know. Dab me up, man. Come dab me up, bro. Don't leave me hanging like that, bro. Psych, get out of here, bro. Ain't no ladies, man. Lamest dude I know right there, Kiji, over there in the corner, all right. So, let me tell you how good my God is, bro. I had this shorty act up on me a week and a half before Valentine's Day just so I have to get a nun and I can buy these shoes. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> God is good. All the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, today, we are going to be talking about a heart issue. Not just an issue, but it's more of an evil, an enemy. And today, we're going to battle against that enemy. We're going to fight an enemy that has single-handedly destroyed the hearts and minds of millions of people for years. It's an enemy that the devil created to drive us away from Jesus. But today, we're going to put our foot down and fight back against that enemy. That enemy is pornography. Now, you're probably wondering, Hunter, should, should porn and sex be talked about in church like that, just so openly? Yeah, uh, it has to be. See, that's the problem. It's not. It's not, it's not talked about in church. So you go learn about it from somewhere else. You, learn about, you go learn about it some, from, uh, some uh, you go learn about it somewhere. Uh, I'm going to slow down. Thank you. I'm gonna, let me relax. All right. You go learn about it from somewhere else. You learn the wrong things about it, and then you'll need to be healed from it. See, God would rather protect you from something than heal you from something that you shouldn't have gotten into in the first place. Let me say that again. See, God would rather protect you than heal you from something that you shouldn't have gotten into in the first place. See, pornography can be traced back thousands of years. In the ruins of Pompeii, which was a first century Roman city that was destroyed by a volcano in AD 79, they revealed a two-story building. It had 20 rooms that were used as brothels. Found in each room were paintings of sexual positions and acts. See, archaeologists concluded that, painting, that the paintings were advertisements of services of each prostitute. See, this just goes to show that pornography has been around since biblical times. See, porn today is way more prolific now than it was then. So I did some research on the topic. So this is a website out called Fight the New Drug. Some of you may know about it, some of you may, may not. But it's a, a non-religious, non-legislative, non-profit organization that gives scientific facts about the dangers of porn. So that just goes to show that it's not just a spiritual issue, it's a heart issue as well. It's a mental issue, and it's an addiction issue. So the website says that studies show that porn consumers are more likely to believe things like group sex, 
dangerous sex acts are more common compared to non-porn users. Why? Because this is what they've seen in porn. Majority of people get their sexual education from porn. See, today's mainstream porn sites include categories with unprotected sex with strangers, group sex, and other dangerous sex acts. And it keeps getting worse. See, porn is a product, and the, and the, and it keeps, and the product keeps getting competitive. Since the market is competitive, people who make porn are always trying to outdo each other, trying to come up with the best product. So they, try way, so they find ways to create more and more defiling, degrading, humiliating images for the consumer. See, researchers have found that porn influences a teenager's sexual behavior. See, people who consume a lot of porn are more likely to have sex, with, sex sooner with more partners and put themselves at a greater risk of receiving an STD. In porn, no matter how rough or abusive a person treats their partner, nearly everything looks good. In a study of popular videos, 9 out of 10 scenes include a woman being hit, beaten, yelled at, or harmed. And the victim either responded with pleasure or no response at all. Now, what kind of message does that portray? What does that teach young people like you guys, like us? You see, a study of adolescent porn users concluded that major messages being shown in porn were male domination, hypermasculinity, and making male sexual pleasure a top priority. What kind of education is that? Dr. Gary Brooks, a psychological professor who studies pornography, says boys who initiated in sex through these images become indoctrinated in a way that can potentially stay with them the rest of their lives. See, that's what pornography is. It's indoctrinating. It's the process of brainwashing a person or a group of people to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. It's not just entertainment. It teaches a detrimental message from a specific worldview. Most porn portrays men as powerful or in charge. See, watching all these scenes of dehumanization can desensitize you and make it seem normal. It sets up this lopsided dynamic that allows verbal and physical aggression towards women. Those who consume porn are more likely to support abuse and aggression towards women. And it causes women to think that it's socially acceptable to be treated this way. So check this out. So we have these things called mirror neurons in our brains. All right. So the mirror neurons, they fire not only when we do things ourselves, but when we watch other people do things. For example, this is why, you know, when you watch The Notebook, you get sad. Or when you watch other movies, you get happy. Or when you watch The Avengers, you get ready to square up with Thanos. You know what I'm saying? Like, you feel it. You feel the energy. You know what I'm saying? So when a person is watching porn, he or she naturally responds to the emotions by the actor in the scene. So a person is getting aroused by watching a person being kicked around or called names. The, person, the person's brain connects that with sexual arousal. You see, when porn shows the victims enjoying being hurt or accepting being hurt, the viewers fed the image that people like to be treated this way. Making porn consumers think that it's okay to act aggressively towards other people. See, the more porn you watch, the more violent content you'll seek out. See, porn will never satisfy you. See, every time you watch porn, you're attempting to fill a void that can't be filled. This is why you keep going back to it. For example, okay, uh, I like to drink Shirley Temples, all right? You're probably like, wow, Hunter, like, that's such a female drink. I don't care. It's Sprite and cherry grenadine, all right? I like sugar. I like, you know, it would be cracked up on sweets and all that, all right? I love it. I love it. But at the end of the day, I can drink as many Shirley Temples as I want, but it will never quench my thirst. I'll always constantly want more Shirley Temple juice, okay? 
But the only thing that can quench my thirst is water. The only thing that can fill that void in your heart is Jesus. See, you won't ask God to fill a void in your heart that you don't think is empty. You won't ask God to heal something that you never revealed. So check this out. Matthew 5, verses 27 through 28 says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. We can go home on that, to be honest. Like, I could, I could say amen, pray, the man could come out, we could go play nine square or something like that, all right? But see, lusting is adultery. The seventh commandment says, thou shall not commit adultery, okay? Let me read that again. The seventh commandment says, thou shall not commit adultery. You see, when a man looks at pornography, they're trying to receive, or a man or a woman looks at a pornography, they're trying to receive sexual satisfaction. And lust can help you do that. You see, you can't get satisfaction from porn without lusting. Lust is adultery, and adultery is sin. Lust will lead you to your demise. Take Samson, for example. Y'all know about Samson? Big, strong guy. Guy kind of looks like me a little bit, you know, braids. All right? So Samson's this big guy, big guy, strong guy, had this great feat of strength. God gave him the strength as long as he would obey him and listen to what he had to tell him. So in the book of Judges, chapter 16, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night in the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. There he goes, there he, then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, far and all, all right, far and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Surek, whose name was Delilah. Mm-mm-mm. Good old Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah went to Samson and said, Oh, so Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Listen. Check this out. Jonah, you listen, dog? So if, look, this is, I'm going to put you on game real quick, all right? So if any shorty comes up to you and says, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued, drop her. Leave her immediately, because she does not have your great intentions in mind. I promise you she don't. Run away. Run away. I know you do track, so I need you to get up out of there immediately, all right? So the, the verse goes on. The, the, the story goes on, and each night, each night, Delilah would ask Samson where his strength came from. And each night, he'd lie to her. He'd say something different. He'd say, like, oh, if you strap me up with this, I'll lose all my strength and leave. And keep in mind, the Philistines were going were gonna to give her some serious bread for what she was doing. 
they was going to bless her nicely, all right? They was going to give her a bunch of money for telling uh, them what Samson, where his strength came from. So the story finishes in verse 18. It says, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of Philistine. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep in her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and began to subdue him, and his strength had left him. Then she called Samson. She called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep. I'll go as before and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, gouged out his eyes, gouged out his eyes, and took down to, to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. So God gave this man, Samson, long hair and this incredible strength. But the problem with Samson was that he had a vulnerability for sexual sin and lust. See, it doesn't matter who you are, how many followers you got, if you're a CEO, if you're a Christian, if you're a pastor, lust will come for you. And if you have a vulnerability that the devil can use, he will use it every time to hold you back. You see, what Samson is attempting to do is still walk with the power and the strength that God gave him and still mess with the things that hold him back. How many things are we acting like you're so, we're so spiritually sound in and still dabbling with the things that the enemy keeps pulling on to hold us back and still doing them in the dark? See, a lot of us in this room are scared to reveal our issues with pornography. But you see, porn thrives in the darkness. You know, after we watch that video, we go to that website, so we mess up and we feel guilty. Part of our human nature is to know what's right and wrong. You see, when you finish watching that porn or you finish masturbating, the guilt, the guilt that guilt you feel is the same guilt you feel from sin. You see, David felt that same guilt. In 2 Samuel, starting in verse 2, it says, One evening, David got up out of his bed and walked around the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elaham, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David, David was the king of Israel. He was the head honcho. He was the man. Now, he was supposed to be out with his soldiers at war, but instead, he was at his palace. He then saw this shorty named Bathsheba. She was bathing. Odds are she was naked, so he probably saw something he liked, okay? But you see, what I want you to understand is that David wasn't even supposed to be there. But you see, that's where the lust started. That's what, that's what lust does to you. That's what porn does to you. It exposes you to the wrong things in a place that you should have never been in. I'm going to run that back. It, it, porn, what it does, it exposes you to the wrong things in a place that you should have never been in. You see, David, he slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. 
and he had the soldiers he had the soldiers sent into the heat of battle to be killed psalms 32 3 through 5 says when i kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for a day and night your hand was heavy on me my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer then i acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity i said i will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, David was betrayed by his lust and was weighed down by the guilt of his sins. He compares it to someone who's wasting away, weakening day and night. But when he brought his sins to the light and confessed, there was forgiveness. There was freedom. You see, when you bring your sins to the light, you're relieved from that burden that you were never supposed to have in the first place. Sexual sin is deceptive. It never looks like what it really is. It, it overpromises and it underdelivers. See, sexual sin is the only way, it's the only sin we commit against ourselves. So you might think, oh, it's not harming anybody. But you're harming the only person that matters the most, yourself. Pornography gradually lets you kill you. You might say, oh, it's, it's just one last time, or, or this is the last time, or it's just a little bit, or it's just one video, or it's just one website. Oh, this is the last time. It's only a little. See, sexual desire drains you from the life that God promises you. Now, I get it. You know, I understand that it's hard to tell people that you struggle with pornography. You want to tell someone, but you don't want them to see you any differently or, or, or treat you any differently. You know, it's a thing that I, I struggle with through my life, and I'm currently working through. But I talked to God about it. I told God that I want everything in this life that you intend to give me. And he told me, clear as day, Hunter, I can't take you these places in life because you're carrying around that sin of lust and pornography in your life. Therefore, you're limiting your potential. You see, there's places, there's doors, there's paths that God wants to take you, and he can't because you're carrying around that sin in your life. See, I've came to the realization that I can't be the man, I can't be the leader, I can't be the pastor that God wants me to be if I'm carrying this burden of sin in my life. But you see, when you remove that burden of sin out of your life, God will be able to use you in ways that you can never imagine. As the band comes up, earlier I talked about bringing your burdens of sin and burden, or your burdens of sin to the light. If you're struggling with pornography and lust in your life, tell someone about it. Don't hold it in. Don't keep it to yourself. Talk to Daryl. Find a leader. Uh, talk to someone about it that you trust. Because you see, sin thrives in the darkness. Sin can only grow while it's kept a secret.
If there's some sin in your life today, if you're struggling with lust, if, if you felt God's tug on your heart this whole series, I want you to come to the altar. I want you to give your burdens to Jesus. I want, to lay, I want you to lay your burden down to God. Because the only way to truly be healed from sin is from the ultimate healer, healer himself. And that's Jesus. So there's no rush for you. If you feel called, I'd love for you to come. But God's talking to some of us today. Some of you felt the pull since the first week of the series. And I get that. I have too. But take the time now to talk to Jesus. If there's anything you've been struggling with in your life, come lay your burdens down. The altar is open.